Welcome to the Lord's house. We're glad that you're here. We're here for one purpose, and that is to praise the name of the Lord. We're going to sing wherever I go. Hey, great singing this morning, right? Aren't they awesome? Hey, God is good, and he's good all the time. And it's good to know and live and stand in the promise that God is for us. Nothing can be against us. Doesn't matter how bad the storms are or how great life is. God is always faithful. He's always present. He's always sovereign, and he's always in control. I love that. I love knowing that that's the truth that I stand on this morning, and you can too. You can too. And I'm so thankful that you're here, gathered today in that truth as the body of Christ here at Kavanaugh Church this morning. It's very special that you're here today, and we're so excited for what God's going to be doing in our services. 
If you're a guest this morning, thank you so much for being here. We're so glad that you're here, and we, would want, we want to get to know you um, and, 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 and hang out with you a little bit. So right after service, if we have not connected with you at all yet, uh, there's a little welcome guest banner right out these doors, and we'd love to just say hello, tell you a little bit about our church and what's going on, all right? But God's good, and I'm excited for everything that's going to happen this morning. So I'm going to invite you all to stand right back up, and we're going to pray and ask his special anointing on our services today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for, uh, for bringing us all back together, God. Uh, there's so many different people in this room, uh, different backgrounds, uh, different walks of life. And, and it's, it's so cool that we have all something in common. And that is that we celebrate the redemption through your son, Jesus Christ. Today, you're for us. Nothing can be against us. And we, we, we are grounded in that promise today. So I'm so thankful that we can meet here today and celebrate that. No matter who we are, we can celebrate salvation and the hope that we have. And Lord, I pray that as your word is preached today by our pastor, uh, that, that salvation is heard and it is known. And that people who don't have that hope yet experience that today. That they have that joy that is deep, deep, deep down in their soul. And that they have a framework then that they can build their life upon. Lord, Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for completely disclosing it to us, completely revealing it to us today, and help us to learn and grow as the people that you want us to be. Thank you so much. In your name, amen. Let's continue to worship. Psalm 126 says, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Let's sing about the great things of God. Oh, we can't 
am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Through the sunset free, oh, it's free.
we could come to the throne boldly and proclaim whatever it is you have for us. And God, we don't have to fear, we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be disappointed because as we sang today, we are who you say we are and we are all children of the Most High God that even at the mention of your name, Jesus, everything, everything we fear, everything we're disappointed with, it disappears, God. You, you, your name, Jesus, is the highest name above all names. And I pray, God, that if there's anybody here today that is suffering from disappointment, from heartbreak, from troubles, from trials, from sickness, from grief, God, that they would bring it to you, that they would have no fear, that they would call on your name, Jesus. Jesus, you make the darkness fear. You make it tremble, God. And I pray, God, that today that we would all be alert to what you would have for us today. We would hear exactly what you would want us to hear. And, God, that your spirit would flow freely throughout this congregation and throughout all of the other activities of this church. I'm so thankful, God, that you brought us here today in one mind and in one spirit. And I pray, God, over Brother Will, that he would deliver the message that you would have us to hear. And it's all of these things in the name, Jesus, that we lay these things at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. fantastic but you know what that's all about Jesus so give Jesus a big hand would you man he is worthy he is worthy to receive our praise honor and glory and so we give it to him today glad that you're here for those watching online thanks for joining us hey at the first of the year we started a, a, a yearly thing read it through in 22 where I challenged you to read through your Bible this year the year 22 and uh, we have come to the end, almost the end of January. I hope you're up to date with your reading, but if not, you can catch up. You're not that far behind, all right? So catch up today. Forget about those football games. Or maybe after the game, catch up on your reading, all right? You know, there's going to be some rowdy fans today uh, at both games and in their living rooms. I think you can get a little rowdy in here, too, you know? I'm doing this series in Matthew chapter 10. You need to come back next week because next week we're going to talk about being on the winning team. And let me tell you, we are. In Jesus, we are on the winning team. Uh, a few months ago, God spoke, I think, directly into my heart and said, Will, I want you to preach all the way through Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gave marching orders to his 12 disciples. He told them to go out and to speak the truth in Jesus' name. He said, I'm going to give you authority and the power to speak truth to people who need to hear the truth. I'm going to give you power to heal the sick and even raise the dead. I am going to be with you, but your marching orders are to go out into the villages and proclaim me the truth, Jesus Christ. 
So we started with that a couple of weeks ago. Last week we looked at this somber sermon where Jesus told us that we are sheep. Okay, raise your hand if you're a sheep. Okay, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a sheep. He says, I am sending you as sheep out in the midst of wolves. And that threw up a bunch of red flags last Sunday. Lord, why would you do that? I mean, you're the good shepherd who loves us. Why would you force your sheep, your followers, out there where the wolves are? Because you know wolves eat sheep. And he said, it's okay, I'm with you, I'm going to be with you, you go on out there and do what I've called you to do. So we started out the first Sunday talking about putting on our work boots, following his orders. Last week we talked about putting on our combat boots, because we are sheep in the midst of wolves, okay? And we're battling for the Lord Jesus Christ. Those were two really heavy sermons. And, and I was watching you as I was preaching, because I can see you in here. And you are very concerned, your face is contorted, you're really burdened, this is heavy stuff you're having to carry. Well, we're going to lighten it up a little bit today because today Jesus is telling us, yes, you are sheep in the midst of wolves, but don't be afraid. Okay, and that's the theme of the sermon today, it's our title, Don't Be Afraid. Here it is, Matthew chapter 10, we're going to read verses 26 through 31. Jesus said, so don't be afraid of them. And he's talking about the wolves because he had just said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So he's saying, don't be afraid of the wolves. Nothing has been covered that will not, not be exposed. And whatever is secret will be made known. Tell in the daylight what I say to you in the dark. Shout from the housetops what you hear whispered. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a single penny? But not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's permission. Every hair on your head has been counted. Therefore, don't be afraid. You are worth more than a bushel of sparrows. Heavenly Father, as I speak this truth on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak it into our hearts. And help us, dear Lord, not to be afraid, but to follow you. Not to be afraid, but speak of you. Not to be afraid, but to live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the resounding theme of these verses is that little phrase, do not be afraid. Jesus started with it, he ended with it, and he put it smack dab in the middle. Three times Jesus said, do not be afraid. Or to say it in more forceful terms as it pops up in some of the older translations, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Now, here's what, here's what I'm going to do this morning. First of all, I'm going to give you a snapshot of this passage, kind of a big picture. A few weeks ago, I talked about snapshot, and I did this. Click, 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 click. Because I'm thinking of those old Kodaks. You click it, and the picture comes out the bottom. Click, click. I don't know what the... Y'all remember those? On, on the way home that, that day, I got, I got a little lesson from my wife. She said, honey, when you did that, half the people didn't even know what you're talking about. 
Snapshot now is click, 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 right? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. But here we go, click, click. We're going to do a snapshot of these, these verses, big picture. Then I want us to exegete or look at the entire passage thoroughly, and then we're going to come back and make a, make a point of application, okay? So first, the snapshot, however you do it, snapshot. Here's what these verses are saying. Number one, don't be afraid because God's truth wins in the end. What is hidden will be revealed, he said. What is spoken in secret will be shouted from the housetops. In other words, every evil deed will be exposed in the light of God's blazing truth. In the end, evildoers will cry out for the rocks to hide them because of the great day of God's judgment has come at last. No one will be able to hide. All is going to be revealed. God's truth wins in the end. Now, right now it doesn't look like that's happening. People are trampling all over God's truth. They laugh at God's truth. But God's truth wins in the end. So he's saying to you, don't be afraid. Everything is going to be revealed. And when it is revealed, if you believe in me, you're going to be on the winning team. Second thing is this. Don't be afraid because God is greater than anything man can do to you. Right in the middle he said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, you need to fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. What is the worst thing that the wolves can do to you out in the world? Kill you. That is the worst they can do to us. So you answer me the question, why fear man whose power ends at the grave? And that's where their power ends, by killing you. Instead, you need to fear the one who has control both over the body and the soul, who has the power not only to take you out, but to send you to hell. See, we, we get a little tainted in our vision. Our vision is so limited and so narrow. We, we see our life span, however long it is, from zero to 50, 60, 80, 100 years, and we think that's all there is. But that, you're, you're, look at me, your life is like that right there compared to eternity let me say it like this your life is like you going on a journey and leaving Cavanaugh church 2828 Briarcliff our address change that's where we are right now here you're at 2828 Briarcliff leaving here and going to interstate 40 however long that takes you 12 minutes 15 minutes Ron depends on how fast you're driving right that's your life from here to the interstate. That's the brevity of your life. Eternity, however, is once you get to the interstate, you start circling the universe. And it never ends. You just keep going around and around and around the universe. That's eternity. So why fear somebody who can take you out between here and the interstate? You need to have a reverential fear for Almighty God who holds the destiny of your soul in his hands. All right? Third, you don't need to be afraid because God takes special care of us. He sees the sparrow as it falls. He, he numbers the hairs on our head. 
And you know what? We're worth more than a whole lot of sparrows to the Lord. So you tell me, why should we be afraid of anything? If God takes care of the birds, if he numbers the hairs on your head, why would you fear anything? That's a pretty good question. And we feel sure we could answer that question in this room. We've just heard powerful worship. We're hearing the word of God. We're sitting around other believers. And yeah, we say, hey, there's no reason to fear anything. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. When I start singing, y'all need to sing with me. He does, right? So why, why be afraid of anything? However, that, that question gets more convoluted when we leave this room and get out there in the real world where we're facing real problems. Remember last week, we are sheep among wolves. Wolves are really out there and they want to eat us. They want to kill us. They're wolves all day long. And the real question is, where can we go for safety when there is so much trouble and turmoil all around us? And guys, that's, that's the world we live in. You know, I hate to watch the news because I, I don't like to be depressed. But there's bad news everywhere. We're in the middle of hard times. What, what were the news lines this morning? Well, let me tell you, there, there are going to be serious problems if Russia invades Ukraine. We, we could be on the brink of World War III. All week long, my phone has been lit up by pastors pleading with other pastors to plead with their congregations to pray for the churches in Ukraine because if Russia does invade them, they're going to be under immense persecution. Our world is not safe. Right here in Fort Smith, I mean, our crowd looks better today. A couple of weeks ago, I, did, I didn't know if the rapture occurred and I got left behind or, or what. It, it was the post Christmas COVID outbreak, and many of you have had COVID a number of times. Can I just tell you something? I've come to the realization, COVID is here to stay. It is. It, it, it's, it's a part of our life, and, and there are so many questions about COVID that we just, we can't answer because right now we don't know the answer, but it's just, it's here, and it's here to stay. It's all around us. You can't run from it. Or we could talk about the economy, but I, I, I've already got you depressed. You think gas is expensive now? It's, it could get worse, and you might not be able to get any. That's the problem. Where do we go with trouble on every hand? Well, we go right here to God's Word, verses 29 through 31. He offers us three reasons that we should not be afraid. And this is where we exegete this passage or look at it in detail. Reason number one, we shouldn't be afraid because God cares about things that we don't even notice. Things that we just walk by and take for granted. Let me tell you, God notices those things. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. You go back and check your Bible dictionary and you'll discover that sparrows were among the humblest birds in Bible times. Because they were so cheap, the, the poorest of people could offer two sparrows 
in place of a goat or a ram or a bull if they couldn't afford one of those other animals. You could buy two sparrows for a penny. Now, that's pretty cheap by any standard. A buck would buy you a whole basket full of sparrows. You could feed your entire family sparrow casserole for a dime. They're just cheap. They're cheap. They're everywhere. There's an old gospel song that reminds us, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Because God watches the sparrows. He, he, knows, he knows when the sparrows fall. Jason and I said this first service. He, he was watching that day back in, I don't know, 1970, 71, Midland, Texas, number four Keeneland Drive, when Dead Eye Willie was in his backyard with his brand new BB gun. And that sparrow landed on the fence. And I was back there and I took aim. Watch that BB. I could see the BB as it hit that sparrow in the head. <laughs> I don't, Jude's back there and I went, yeah! Got my first sparrow. Then I started feeling bad. Because <laughs> I had killed one of God's creation. But you know, God saw that. He saw that sparrow fall because he notices things like that. You know what, Here, here's the application of this verse and this truth because God not only sees the sparrows fall, he knows when you have trouble too. The, the truth is this, every sparrow is eventually going to fall. All the sparrows fall to the ground sooner or later. And sooner or later, trouble is going to come knocking on your door as well. You're not exempt from troubles. Sometimes we fall prey to this romantic ideal that if I give my life to Jesus, everything is going to be great in my life. We, we've watched some of those TV preachers and we've swallowed that lie that if we just get saved and we give our money, then you know what? Everything is going to be fine. We're never going to get sick. We're always going to have everything we want and life is going to be a downhill breeze with the wind at our back. But can I tell you, that is not the truth. The Bible says he makes his rain fall on the just and the unjust. I want you to know what happens to the people of this world happens to Christians as well. They get sick, we get sick. They lose their job, we lose our jobs. They get ripped off, we get ripped off. They get cancer, we get cancer. They die and we die. It's the same for us as it is for everyone else. And even though we know the Lord, we are not exempt from any of the trials and troubles of this world. But Jesus sees the trials and troubles we have. Just as he sees each sparrow that falls, he knows every problem you're dealing with today. Second thing about that is this. The sparrows fall according to the will of the Father. Now, here's the truth of this verse that sometimes we don't get. The verse says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. It's God's will that that sparrow falls. As all the great confessions of faith tell us, all things take place according to the counsel and degree of Almighty God. 
There is a very real sense in which everything in the universe fits into God's ultimate plan. Even the falling of the sparrow is part of God's providential oversight of the universe. And you know what? That applies to you and I as well. All of our pain, all of our suffering, all of our loss, it's part of God's will for our life. And he knows it's happening to us. I was just talking to someone this weekend who's had horrific events one after another occur in their life. And and they said, you know, maybe one day I'll know the reason for this. And, And my response was, well, maybe you will and maybe you won't. You may not know until you get to heaven. But God's got a purpose for it. And he has allowed it to happen. When I was preaching this an hour ago in the first service, I just had this this thought that popped into my mind. It's the story of Joseph. Remember, Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? How he delivered not only his family, but the people of Egypt and all the people of the world at that time from this severe famine. Remember that? Well, it all started when he was just a kid. He was his dad's favorite. That's pretty tough on the other siblings when you know your dad has a favorite. You know, I've got my sister and three girls that are cousins, and they they never could come to the terms of the fact that my grandmother loved me more than she loved any of them. (laughs) I I was the only boy, and man, she just, she loved me, you know, and anything I want, she got it for me, and they, they, they really, they, they're still wrestling with that right now. I know they are, but, but that's the way it was for Joseph. His dad loved him, gave him this coat of many colors. Remember that? The, the problem started when he told his brothers the dreams he had had. Remember? The dreams were that all of his family, his brothers, and even his dad would eventually bow down to him, That's when the function started in the dysfunctional family right there. And they could never get over that. They hated him because of that. But then you look at all of these little events which singularly on their own really didn't amount to much. And maybe nobody would even notice, but what if they didn't occur as they occurred? What if on that one day, Daddy hadn't said, hey, Joseph, go check on your brothers who are tending the flocks. What if when he got to that one field where his brothers were supposed to be and they weren't, the guy wasn't standing in the field who asked, hey, are you looking for your brothers? They went down that way. What if instead of hating him when they saw him, the brother said, oh, you know, there's, there's our brother. We know dad loves him more, but isn't he a great guy? <laughs> hmm. What if they hadn't have thrown him in that cistern? What if the Ishmaelites had not been traveling through that day? What if the Ishmaelites had not needed a slave to buy? What if his brothers would have killed him instead of selling him to the Ishmaelites? When he got to Egypt, what if, what if Potiphar had not bought him? What if he had not done a great job in Potiphar's house? What if Potiphar's wife hadn't looked with longing eyes on him? What if he had not been thrown into prison? What if the chief baker and cupbearer for the Pharaoh had not been thrown into that prison? What if they hadn't had their own dreams? What if Joseph didn't interpret those dreams for them? What if, when it was all said and done, 
Pharaoh had his dream and said, who can interpret my dream? And what if the chief cupbearer hadn't have said, well, hey, when I was in prison, I remember this guy who can do that. I mean, all those events, all of them, they all happened and they had to happen for Joseph to save the universe. And just looking at the singular events one by one, you wouldn't think they were that big of a deal, but they were. And God saw them. God knew them. So it is with every event that occurs in your life. God God knows everything there is to know about you. He sees what other people don't even notice. I, I am comforted by those words from Alva McLean. From the fall of a raindrop to the fall of a empire, all is under the providential control of our God. And let me tell you something, folks. If you really believe that, you can keep going in times of fears and doubts. Reason number two, you don't need to be afraid. God cares about the tiniest details of your life. Check out verse 30. Every hair on your head has been numbered. It's been counted. Have you ever tried to count the hairs on your head? I don't know. I can, I can remember as a kid trying to do that, and uh, maybe you tried as well. You quickly learned that it's a futile exercise. You can't. Scientists tell us, experts tell us that on average, the human head has about 100,000 strands of hair. And that you lose 50 strands every day. Doesn't matter what you do to try to save your hair, 50 strands are going to fall out. I don't care what kind of shampoo you use. You're going to lose 50 strands of hair. And you know, it's true. Part of my job at the house is to vacuum. I don't have to vacuum all the time, but I do vacuum some. And we've got one of those cool vacuum cleaners where the, the, the canister that holds the junk you suck up is clear. You can see it. Y'all have a vacuum like that? Y'all need to go shopping. It's cool. You, you go empty out that canister, and I just vacuum through the house. Now, as I'm vacuuming and I'm looking at the floor, I can't see anything. Our floors are not dirty. But... Once I go through the house, I look at that canister, and it is full. I'm thinking, where's this stuff come from? And you know what the majority of it is? Blonde hairs. (laughs) And I've heard her say, I don't know how I have any hair in my head. So much falls out every day. 50, 50 strands every day you're losing. (laughs) I've really done some research this week, haven't I? Depending on the color of your hair, that 100,000 varies. If you're a blonde hair, you have about 140,000 strands. If you're a brunette, you've got about 105,000. If you're a redhead, you have about 90,000. Now, all of these are interesting facts. But it's not really something I think about. Tell you the truth, I don't think about my hair very much anymore. <laughs> and when I do have a conscious thought about my hair, it's, it's this. Am I going to let it grow back out? Because I, really, I do have hair up here. Or am I just going to keep shaving it? cares man 
I've not always been like this, though. Back in the day, I had some hair. I mean, when I came here 24 years ago, I had hair. Y'all remember? When I was in high school, my hair was beautiful. No, no lie, it was, it, was, it was way down here. It was below my shoulders. And the girls used to say, Willie, you have such pretty hair. I'd ride my motorcycle and it just... But never, not one time, not a single time can I ever remember, even when I had long hair, taking a piece of it and bringing it around where it was visible and saying... Well, I wonder how hair number 437 is doing today. Why? Because we don't count our hair. We don't number our hair. But God does. Think about that for a moment. God does. He counts them. So you know what that means in my family? Angie, Whitney, Tyler... Ella Jane, Archie, Michael, Callie, Zane, me. That is almost a million strands of hair just in my little family. And God has counted every single one of them. God has counted today billions and trillions of hairs. He numbers all of them. That's what this says. And the meaning of that is so clear for us today. If God cares for things that matter so little, then he does care for things that matter a lot. If God knows each strand of hair individually, he knows each one of us individually. And God's knowledge of us is not just this general knowledge. It is amazingly specific. He knows us through and through. He knows us in the minutest detail. In fact, he knows us far better than we know ourselves. What a mighty God we serve. He is the God of the big, and he is the God of the small. The God who hung the stars in space, and the God who has numbered every single hair on your head. You know what that tells me? It tells me, Will, there, there is no problem that you face that is so insignificant that God doesn't care about it. God cares about everything I go through. So you know what? I, I need to have the freedom just to talk to him about everyday life because he notices. Number three, we don't need to be afraid because God, God cares about us even when troubles come our way. I like how this ends in verse 31. Don't be afraid. Because you are worth more than a whole lot of sparrows. And and here really is the heart of the matter. Tiny sparrows worth so little, and yet God cares for each one of them. But you, look at me, you, you are worth a bushel of sparrows. More than a bushel of sparrows. How do I know this? Because Jesus didn't die for sparrows. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. His blood is the badge of his love, the proof of his everlasting affection. So what then should we do with this truth that that God cares about us even in times of trouble? Well, first, it should give us boldness in times of trouble. Because if, if God is for us, and he is, 
Why should we fear anything or anyone else? Or, or let me quote it to you like this out of the Bible. If God is for me, who can be against me? Second, it, it should give us confidence in moments of confusion. Goodness gracious, there are so many things today that are unclear and uncertain and undecided. We have many more questions than we do answers. And it seems like that, that we're just stumbling through the fog haphazardly, the, the circumstances of life that come up. One day God is going to make everything plain for us, and all of his ways will be proved right. So in our day of confusion, you know what? We can have confidence if we're following in the steps of God. Thirdly, it should give us hope in the time of sorrow because hard times are coming for you sickness suffering sorrow death we all weep I go to a whole lot of funerals and I take every funeral I go to I cry I shed a tear because there's something sad about people dying but as I weep at these funerals every time the Holy Spirit says to me be of good cheer will I have conquered death, and if you follow me, you're going to live forever. Even death itself is in God's hands, because if you're a Christian, you cannot die before God's appointed time. That's what this verse says. It's, it's all in God's will. A sparrow falls, but he's falling in the will of God. I love the words of a missionary from Peru. He said, a Christian is immortal until his work on earth is done. You're going to live as long as God has something for you to do here in his will. I like the way Tony Evans, the pastor in Dallas, says it. Everything is either caused by God or allowed by God. There is no third category. And so there's the exegesis. Now we come to the application. The bottom line of this passage is, is where we began. Three times Jesus made the statement, do not be afraid. He first said it in verse 26, don't be afraid of them, talking about the wolves. In the middle, verse 28, he said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot touch the soul. And then in verse 31, don't be afraid because you are worth more than a whole lot of sparrows. But what is it we're not to be afraid of? Really, what, what is the central theme of this text. What is our application point? Well, right at the heart of it is verse 27, and it's what Jesus is talking about. He said, you guys tell in the daylight what I'm saying to you in the dark. I want you to shout from the housetops what I whisper in your ear through the Holy Spirit. And so the point is very direct and very clear. We don't need to be afraid to speak clearly about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, what I've whispered to you, you speak out loud. And don't be afraid to be open about me. What I tell you in the closet when you're having your private devotions, I want you to go up on the housetop and shout it out for everyone to hear. So the real issue here is speaking for Jesus. Now, back up and remember how we started this in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is giving his disciples marching orders. He says, I am empowering you to go to the villages, the cities, the towns all around us and speak the truth of the gospel. I'm empowering you to be my voice, my mouthpiece, to be my hands and my feet. 
You are to speak for me. Now, church, there are a whole lot of other things that require courage besides speaking. I realize that. But speaking is the heart of the issue in this passage. Jesus wants us as believers to open our mouths and say in public, one-on-one or in front of a thousand other people, of what we know about Jesus and what Jesus has done for us and the truth that Jesus gives us in secret, we are to proclaim openly. And so here's the main point of my message. Don't be afraid. You are to clearly and openly articulate what you know about Jesus Christ. You are to be courageous as you speak the truth. Because let me, look at me. God's done something for you. And you need to tell somebody about it. I was up here finishing my sermon yesterday. Printing, prepping, pondering. I do those things every week. And I just, man, I just had a thought. Man, it just hit me. Eric, I said this first service, you heard me. I, I thought of a song. Eric and I are the same age. 1979 is when we graduated. 1979, Don Francisco, Christian artist, musician. Anybody know Don Francisco? Remember the name, Don Francisco? Go on, raise your hand. Not many of you. Don Francisco wrote this song, 1979. Got to tell somebody. Man, I pulled it up on YouTube. Sit there and just watch the whole thing. I was crying. I was shouting. I got a hold of Angie and said, Angie, you think it'd be okay if I played this video tomorrow at the end of my message? Don Francisco, 1979. Got to tell somebody. She said, isn't that long? I said, yeah. She said, well, did you notice how long it was? I said, it's it's like six minutes and nine seconds. She said, no. (laughs) Not the whole thing. Maybe just, I said, but you got to watch the whole thing to get it. So today, YouTube, Don Francisco, 1979, got to tell somebody. He's kind of a storyteller singer, and he's, he's, he's playing his guitar man getting down, and He's telling this story from the New Testament. Remember that story, the the man and woman who lost their daughter? She died? And they were having this this funeral at their house, and everybody was crying. And and he went and found Jesus and asked Jesus to come back and do something. And Jesus came back and said, "Why why are you weeping and crying? She's not dead. And all of those mourners turned into jeering Jesus because they knew the little girl was dead. And so he goes into the bedroom where this little girl is and he brings her back from the dead and changes that family's life. He saves this little girl. And then he looks at the daddy and he says, don't tell anybody what I've just done. And Don Francisco, the response of the daddy is, I got to tell somebody. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't you? If your daughter is dead and Jesus just raised her from the dead, you couldn't keep that silent. Got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. Don Francisco, not, David, go home and watch that, will you? Great song, man. You getting the message? Got to tell somebody. What it takes is you opening your mouth and not being afraid. I love the testimony of this young girl. She was 16 years old, raised in a Christian home, went to church. But here's what she was struggling with. Am I going to live for Jesus or am I going to live for the world? Am I going to be sold out for Jesus and follow him? 
Or am I going to be like everybody else and follow the crowd? Be one of the crowd. And there was this real longing for her to fit in because she didn't quite fit in. She wasn't in the in group, but boy, she wanted to be. Her family was at the beach on vacation. She was out walking on the beach and just walking down the beach, and she saw this group of young people headed towards her. And she could tell just by noticing them, looking at them, these were the cool kids. A couple of macho guys, you know, swim trunks, tan, muscles, beach hair, a couple of girls, beautiful. And she thought to herself, what I would give to be like that. What I would give to be in that group. And as they passed on the beach, the guy in the middle, the biggest one, he looked at her, made eye contact with her, directly looked at her. And here's what he said to her. Live for Jesus. I thought somebody would say, wow. That's what he said. Macho kid, looking right at that girl, live for Jesus. She said, it froze me. I just froze right there on the beach. And it was as if God spoke that to me. Live for the world, live for Jesus. Be like them, be like Jesus. And there was my answer from the macho guy. Live for Jesus. So she settled it. She sold out to Jesus that day, completely committed her life to the Lord. Lord, whatever you want, good for her. Good for her. But kudos to the macho kid because he wasn't afraid to give a word for Jesus. He wasn't afraid to open his mouth and say to somebody else, live for Jesus. That may sound real simple, but it gets complex when you get out there in the real world. What Jesus is calling us to do as a church in 2022 is to go speak his name. These are our marching orders. Yes, we are sheep in the midst of wolves, but he has empowered us with his Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit says, speak, we need to open the mouth and speak. Even if it's something as simple as live for Jesus. Because people need to hear that. So, what are you going to do with it? My prayer is that you would come today and say, Lord, here I am. I'm willing to be used by you. I want to be used by you. Use me. Heavenly Father, I pray that that would happen in every life that is here today. Lord, if there's someone in this room who's never been saved, they've never accepted the free gift of salvation, I pray that they would come today and allow us the privilege of leading them to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, for the rest of us who are dealing with real life problems, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid to come and talk to you about those problems because you know them. You see the tiniest details of our life. Help us to come talk to you about them, Lord. And then for everybody in this congregation, I pray that we would affirm our faith in you today and that we would present our bodies as living sacrifices and say, Lord, I want to be used by you. Help me, dear Lord, today to speak for you.
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. Altars are open. Come on. Just come pray. Man, the Lord's calling you. Come, come talk to him. Come on. There is power in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we do know that, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I pray that we would do that today. Give us the power to do that today. Give us the courage to do that today. Not only in this room, but out there in the world. Help us to speak, to tell other people about Jesus. Lord, there are so many people who need you. And if we don't tell them, if we don't show them the way, if we don't speak your name, how are they going to hear? Help us, dear Lord, every day to be on mission with you. Help us to take up our marching orders as a church and be a light in this darkened world. Empower us to go out of these doors and speak the truth of Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment. Amen. Thanks for being here. And I don't know if I can entice you to come back next week, but here's our key verse for next week. Jesus said, don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Woo. Woo. Come next week and you'll find out what that sword's all about, man.
It's some cool stuff. Thanks for being here today. As you leave, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes at the door. We certainly appreciate you giving. Tonight at 6.30, we're going to have Bible study online, Facebook, our Facebook page, Brother Ray's teaching that. 7 o'clock Wednesday, come back, activities for all ages. Kids have a great time. The teens, where's Brother Nathan at? Teens, he already, teens are loving it, aren't they? They inherited our old worship center, and they've transformed that place. It's a cool hangout for teenagers. Uh, invite your teens to come. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, they're going to hear a great message from Brother Nathan and have a wonderful time. Uh, Brother Johnny's going to be preaching in here Wednesday night to the adults, and we've got some kids going to do some special things. I'm leaving Wednesday afternoon at uh, 4 o'clock, flying to Georgia to preach a men's conference. They're calling it Man Up. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm already starting to do it. I've I've sent them bullets. There's a a pack of bullets on their way to Georgia because I'm going to talk about bullets. You remember that? Bullets, Bible, and you? So anyway, y'all don't remember. Be the bullet, right? Be the bullet. Pray for me as I go and as I speak to these guys. Uh, It's going to be a good time. February 20th, make sure you mark that down on your calendar. Sunday the 20th, we're going to have Dedication Day in here. It's going to be a great celebration. Uh, We're only having one service that day at 10 o'clock. There'll be a combination of both praise teams singing. We're going to have dignitaries here. We're going to recognize people who helped build this building, and then we're going to dedicate it to God. If you had other plans for February 20th, change them because we want you here, all right? Again, one last thing, read it through in 22. Every day. Every day. And if you're behind, catch up today, all right? All right? Go team. Get out of here.